Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Spartan Spotlight. I'm Justin Thind. I'm here with my co-host Corey Robinson. Uh, busy day in the portal. Uh, how are you doing, Corey? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, exciting times. Uh, this is definitely my favorite time of year when we can uh, almost have that adrenaline going because you're basically knowing that something could happen at any minute. So definitely staying on top of that. It's been, been exciting for sure. Yeah, no doubt. It's uh, one of those things where you can't even uh, risk taking a nap in the middle of the workday or something like that. Uh, it's uh, you you put down your phone for a few minutes and you're risking uh, missing a portal commitment because Mel Tucker and these guys, they uh, really don't they really don't stop. They just uh, keep plucking away. And uh, Jacoby Winman uh, visited uh, last uh, this past weekend. He committed earlier in the week and then earlier today. Michigan State landed a commitment from Aaron Brule from Mississippi State. That's two linebacker pickups from Michigan State this week. Uh, both of those guys uh, have the ability to start. I know Jacoby Winman, he's a guy that uh, played defensive end early in his college career, made um, Mountain West uh, third team as a defensive end, then uh, switched to linebacker and made all Mountain West second team. So he's a guy that um, obviously is good at linebacker, um, but has a skill set that allows him to also rush the passer since that's where he was originally brought up. Um, and then similarly, uh, Aaron Brule led the FBS in pressures last year. So they have two guys that are that are linebackers that will be playing linebacker, but have the ability to actually be effective rushing the passer. And that's where Michigan State struggled a little bit this year. Um, I know Crouch got pressure a few times early in the season and Halliday had a couple of tackles for loss, but the the best way to kind of put into perspective that element of Crouch and Halliday versus the guys who they got is, let me put it this way, Aaron Berlay took a step back this past year and was kind of underwhelming at Mississippi State, yet he had more tackles for loss and more sacks this past year than Quiveras Crouch and Cal Holiday combined. So that was him on an off year. And that puts it in, into perspective with Q Crouch and Cal Holiday. So Michigan State definitely getting um, an upgrade there. And that's if he doesn't reach the ceiling that he was at before this past season, because before this off season that he had, he was rated as a early second round pick by Matt Miller. Uh, the NFL draft expert. And then Winman is just, he flies around the field. He's violent, racked up tons of tackles. Uh, haven't seen a ton of tape of him in coverage. Um, and he is a former defensive end. So I'll be curious to see um, exactly how good he is in that regard. But I do know that the Michigan State staff um, was extra cognizant of that. So they must have liked what he what he, they saw there. But now, Corey, I'll turn it over to you. What do you see uh, in these two guys that Michigan State has landed at linebacker? With Winman, I haven't watched a ton of full game tape on him yet to see um, everything with him, but I did watch a tape from him in this past season where you could see him dropping back in coverage, and he has really good instincts too is what stuck out to me is he would uh, sniff out a screen pass really good or if he would see the that he couldn't get to the quarterback uh, but he would see that guy leaking out in the flat the receiver. He would find that guy and kind of cover over him. So I, he shows 
on at least the highlight that I got to see a couple of them. Uh, he was showing the instincts of him recognizing pass and getting out there. So um, obviously I'm going to have to dig in for some uh, full game tape to kind of watch him snap to snap. But I mean, when we watched the tape on him or we watched on crouch last year, you see he has more, he has better instincts and is probably a smarter football player than crouch was coming in where they're both really great athletes. And, but crouch even this year for Michigan state, as good as he was, he, uh, still had a problem with uh, recognizing stuff. And then even taking on blocks, too, it wasn't a strong suit for him, which was what we saw coming in from Tennessee. I think he improved quite a bit uh, at Michigan State as opposed to Tennessee last year. But uh, for me, Winman, I think he has the shot to be potentially uh, the best player on Michigan State's defense. I think of him that highly just to be able to rack up I think he's, as of right now, he's the number 11, uh, number 11 in total tackles in the country. But then if you break it down even more, he was number six in the country in uh, tackles, solo tackles. So that means he's not just jumping on the piles and getting uh, his Russell Westbrook uh, stat padding going on. He's actually the guy that's getting there first and making the tackle. And then uh, with Brule today, where he committed like you mentioned his his ceiling is probably the highest of anybody any defender on their team honestly with that second round grade because I mean they don't have anybody right now that's going to be pulling a a second round grade from Matt Miller or anybody at this moment so I mean what I I liked about him the most was he's a a good middle blitzer Uh, he does a great job of setting up the linemen, uh, getting them leaning one way and then hitting the shoulder or even just even showing a strong balance and feet and kind of taking the wash and then just getting out of it. And then obviously you pop them on the sides too, and you can come off the edges like most linebackers. But I thought to me, what was more impressive is I think a lot of guys can come off the edge, but his ability to have success blitzing up the middle uh, really stood out to me. So with those two guys, I mean, that allows uh, Scotty Hazelton and the defense to do a lot more. You can disguise things because you have guys that uh, are more complete and faster and they know what they're doing where this year's team at linebacker, obviously Cal Halliday was uh, amazing for his freshman year. Uh, he was the smart uh linebacker that really understood the defense and what offenses were trying to do and lining everybody up but you couldn't really afford him to come off the field last year because he was the leader where he had to really let crouch and uh some of the young guys kind of know you know what to do where now you probably have three uh linebackers that have pretty high football iqs that you'll be able to rotate those three and keep guys fresh and then mix in obviously now Teote and some other guys at Van Sumeren. So, yeah, definitely excited. The defense got a lot better with the addition of those two. Yeah, I know that the theme that has emerged after this uh, these two commitments is talking about the flexibility that uh, Michigan State is going to be able to have, and you were talking about that as well. And I think uh, there was a lot – There, a lot of the issues last year came from – 
obviously not having great defensive back play, but also not having consistent pressure on the quarterback. There were some weeks where they did get some decent pressure, like uh, the Nebraska game, Western Kentucky, a few other ones. So the Spartans ended up with a pretty high sack total, I believe, but in the games where they needed it the most against the offenses, they needed it the most. That's when it was non-existent against um, whether it's Ohio state, whether it's Michigan, uh, Michigan whether it's Purdue, they, the weakness of the Michigan State team, the defensive backs, were not helped out in any way by a pass rush on the days they were on their weakest leg. So now you have two linebackers that both possess the ability to blitz. And now in the running uh, to possibly commit to Michigan State in the near future is Florida edge rusher Chris Bogle. I know. Uh, we were talking about uh, him the the second that he emerged on the board, and you found out that Florida was kind of using him um, as a, as an outside linebacker in the three four, which, which is where they should have used him given his measurables. But that his responsibilities were uh, not a hundred percent just rushing the passer like they should be, and that they were dropping him into coverage a little bit. So that's that's why his production probably wasn't as great as it as it could have been, is because that's not something he should be doing. And now coming into a even front defense where he's going to be able to just play defensive end all the time. I think he's going to be a great addition for Michigan state. Um, if that pans out and suddenly you're looking at a defensive front that has uh, Chris Vogel in that case, or I guess let's just go with Jeff Petrowski. Uh, if, if you don't want to count Vogel yet, you have him uh, at defensive end. You have uh, Jacob Slade and Simeon Barrow at defensive tackle and Jalen Hunt also in there as well. Um, and then you have defensive end in the stand-up variation uh, as I was kind of trying to visualize what are some ways they can be unique and get some pressure. Um, so you have a stand-up defensive end rusher that you could either make brulee since he led FPS and pressures generated. You can do Winman since he used to be a defensive end. Um, and then you have two traditional linebackers in Cal Halliday and whichever one of those two aforementioned linebackers you don't put at stand-up edge. And suddenly you're able to generate a lot of pressure there uh, in that defensive front that you weren't able to generate before. So yeah, the optionality that these versatile um, blitz, uh, I'll say skilled at blitzing, uh, not blitz heavy, skilled at blitzing uh, linebackers bring Michigan State. Yeah, and the just the the team speed uh, on defense on the edges will be a lot better uh, than what we saw. Because I mean, there's nothing against the guys that they did that that they had this season. They won ten games. They almost have eleven, but they're they did a lot of that with maximizing what they could get out of those players where they don't have necessarily the speed to do those rundowns uh, off the line of scrimmage where I think Tank Brown, I believe you mentioned him. Uh, if he can stay healthy mm-hmm. next fall, like that's, that's a big one. Cause I talked to a lot of people on both sides of the ball, offense and defense during the spring and winter at, or the spring. And they were just like, yeah, this guy's like eye popping how good he is. Uh, and coming from, both sides of the ball uh when you just were asking for names like that's a great sign so if he can stay healthy this year have a good off season uh he could really be one of those guys that explodes uh on the scene as a Mm -hmm. not not only a pass rusher i i saw stuff where he would uh 
run down the running back, just timing it, coming off unblocked off the edge and running the running back that's going to the opposite side of the field and using his athleticism. So if they get Bogle and Tank Brown and then you put uh, the two new linebackers in there with Barrow and you could get creative and slide maybe a Petrowski or somebody in at D-tackle and passing downs and all of a sudden your your speed and blitzing increased just by probably 10 times from this year just because you didn't have that. And I mean, even too, I think beyond the blitz, where you can disguise stuff where, I don't know, last year you dropped uh, Halliday back a lot just because he was better at reading what's going on and you let Crouch or whoever go. Now you could uh, mix and match where you can send Halliday after the quarterback a little bit more because he showed good instincts the few times that he did blitz. And then you could drop back uh, Bogle or Windman or whatever. And So, yeah, it's just a lot. I think you're going to see a lot more uh, things being done on the defense with the added stuff. And I mean, that's just the two linebackers and potentially one defensive end. But as we know, that's not Michigan State's not stopping there. They're going to still be looking for defensive backs and possibly even another defensive end. No, yeah, no doubt. It's uh, it's great to kind of just get into these hypotheticals and thinking about all the flexibility they could have when last year was cut and dry. Mm-hmm. You know, there was some depth at D tackle, but that was pretty much it. And you're like, oh, well, these these are the guys they have, and hopefully there's no injury because if even one of these linebackers get hurt and Noah Harvey has to come in, and it's going to be like last year, and it was not a good, it was not a fun time talking about the front uh, six, I guess you could say last year, and uh, it's been. It's been great this uh, this uh, past week or so, kind of just thinking about the hypotheticals there. The other thing that kind of comes from this, like you were just saying, is um, if you have Tank uh, Brown take that next step and you have an every down pass rusher there, you have an every down pass rusher in Chris Bogle, hopefully, or uh, Jeff Petrowski is a good player too. Yeah. Um, and uh, then you have uh, – you have – guys that have those spots nailed down and suddenly you have a linebacker rotation where maybe you say, okay, this drive, we're going to have Cal and Jacoby out there. Then the next drive you have Kobe and uh, Aaron Brule out there. And then you have Brule and Halliday out there. You do that for a game or two. You figure out who the two strongest guys are. Suddenly you actually have the depth to, to push push each other you have the depth depth competition and then if there's an injury you have a third linebacker that's solid to turn to so if uh tank uh or petrowski or, or vogel like two of these guys really rise above and get these every down snaps you're looking at a um a deep linebacker room too putting aside my original creativity of a stand-up defensive end yeah for sure and uh i, I think we had heard a lot about scotty hazelton and how he liked to mix things up and i mean we we've seen it to an extent at michigan state but i don't think we've seen it the way that he wants to do it yet just because of personnel so maybe adding these extra athletes and the guys that have a good strong football understanding will allow them to put more on the plate and do different things uh and like you mentioned uh the depth that was the biggest thing we talked about at the end of the regular season recap, it's that you lose a guy 
at defensive tackle, like even defensive tackle, which I think is, we all agree is probably the deepest position on defense by far and most talented. You even saw a drop off the last few games when, uh, what's his name? Uh, the Georgia defensive tackle, Simeon Barrow, uh, missed the last few games. Like they still were good at defensive tackle, but they weren't as good. So that's where, uh, these recruiting classes, whether it's the transfer portal or, uh, the high school, traditional high school one, like you've seen these coaches going out, creating depth, getting more athletic, getting faster, uh, trying to find defensive backs that are uh, stronger and more fluid. I mean, what do we have in the 22 class? If I look at it, it's what, five, five defensive backs committed right now, yeah. and they could probably go to seven or eight potentially. Yeah. And then I expect at least one defensive back in the portal to be added uh, unless they feel really, really good about the freshman coming in, which I think uh, you definitely could. I think Jaden Mangum, uh, he'll play as a true freshman. I think he's ready to roll uh, if they get uh, the – Oh, what's the cornerback, uh, Caleb Coley yeah. from Georgia? Like, if he's healthy and ready to roll, like, that's, to me, I think he's the best, would be the best cornerback Michigan State's landed since Josiah Scott. Yeah, no, definitely. I know that uh, he kind of gives us both the same vibe that we had out of Charles Brantley. Uh, one of those guys that comes in that's really physical, he's fast, comes in playing good Southern competition. Uh, I think... Uh, Brantley and Coley will be a, a duo that is going to be uh, starting at Michigan State, um, possibly next year uh, if if Coley comes in healthy and ready to go. But definitely two years from now, I would say. Uh, but yeah, I would still like a a pickup at cornerback in the portal. Ideally, you have somebody that is a cornerback one you get out of the portal, and then in the other spot you have Brantley, Ronald Williams and uh, Marky Lowry competing for that starting job, whichever two don't win it are not bad uh, backups at both of the outside corner spots. And that's then you're not in that bad of a shape, especially if you finally have a pass rush this upcoming year. So I would like to see a cornerback there. And yeah, the, the safeties in this upcoming recruiting class, uh, a lot of good ones there. Uh, like you said, Jada Mangum, he's a guy that he's a pure cover safety. He's not one of those guys that he's playing safety because he can't cover and he just hits well. It's not one of those cases. This guy can cover. And then obviously Malik Spencer in that box, nickel, kind of strong safety mold, um, depending on who else they get. Uh, but they, they have some good safety options coming in for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know how far we're into the podcast, but we spent it the whole time talking positively about defense, and so, so that's <laughs> yeah, a exactly. that, that's a huge upgrade. Where uh, most of the year we were really uh, being like, well, we stay away from the the defensive talk and uh, focus on the <laughs> Let's offense. Talk about so, Walker, <laughs> yeah, Walker, Reed, Thorn, uh, but yeah, so uh, it's nice to have like real optimism uh, for the defense. Cause I think everybody that's listened to us even before the season started, I don't think we ever gave a lot of optimism for the defense of this season to be good. Uh, so hearing us actually talk with some optimism is, is not like a, a hyperbole or trying to sell some things. I think that 
you're starting to actually see Michigan State start to put the pieces together of putting a real defense out there. That is what Michigan State fans have kind of grown accustomed to in a way. But still, I think it's even going to be a little bit different just because it's going to be bigger and faster than even a lot of those good defenses that we had here. I guess kind of putting a bow on the transfer uh, segment of this podcast, uh, just we've been talking about Chris Bogle a lot, so I guess might as well touch on the update there is uh, he will be visiting Kentucky this weekend. That is something that Stephen Brooks, our colleague at 24-7 Sports, uh, confirmed that uh, that that's a commitment that he made to them that he would visit um, even before his Michigan State visit. So this is something that's been in the books for a while and he's sticking to his word and he'll be granting them that visit. But the Michigan State um, people close to the recruitment on, on this side of things, they're very confident that he'll end up choosing the Spartans nonetheless. Um, of course, you can never be sure um, because uh, that's still a battle you have to win and that's a lead you have to maintain through his Kentucky visit, but still lots of optimism there. And this is a visit that's been in the works for a while. Now talking about this upcoming weekend, this is a big weekend that Michigan state has uh, saved some of their current commits. Um, they've saved their official visits for this weekend so they can surround some top targets with current commits and get that vibe uh, kind of put together. But the uh, rabbit in the sleeve that you had uh, teased earlier this week on Shaw Lane, that finally uh, we're allowed to talk about, uh, thanks to an Auburn writer, uh, Keith, who was able to uh, kind of put that out there so that now it's uh, it's open for us to talk about. And that is four-star running back commit to Auburn, Damari Alston. Corey, tell us about this recruitment. Yeah, this is definitely one that uh, people that follow Michigan State recruiting, his, his name has kind of popped up here and there throughout the process. I think he's always been when you uh, would snoop around and see what running backs Michigan State really was liking in the 22 class, which, I mean, they're insanely picky and like to put it lightly uh that was the name that would always pop up from last winter to the spring uh after he and even after he committed to auburn the summer uh you would still kind of hear his name just pop up here and there and they're just uh chipping away at it and trying to make some headway and now I mean, yeah, he says a lot of the right things on on Twitter, talking to Auburn writers, but uh, you learn a long time ago with recruiting actions speak uh, louder than words or it's not what they say, it's what they do. And I mean, he's coming up here for a reason and Michigan State is allowing him to come up here because they feel that there's enough reason to do it because as I mentioned on the Shaw Lane message board earlier today, uh, they've shut down uh, a few four-star running backs that were committed elsewhere because they got the vibes that they weren't really uh, a good flip candidate and that they were just coming up to have a good time and hang out on Michigan State's dime. So clearly they don't think that uh, with Damari Austin, does that mean they get him? No, but it means that they've done enough homework. They did uh, two in-homes with him. So they've seen him in person. It's not just talking over the phone or text. You get to look him in the eyes and kind of uh, 
see where he's at. So, I mean, that you can't ask for anything more than having your easily top two, three running back that you always had in this class here for the final weekend before signing day and see where everything uh, lays out at the end on signing day Wednesday when he plans on signing. Yeah, I know. Uh, Coach Piegler has been working tirelessly to make this happen. So the fact that he kept going, he kept being relentless about this recruitment. It's a great testament to his recruiting prowess. I know when we had talked about this in the past um, months, I has I had didn't have the most optimism that he would ever end up coming here. He didn't take his official visit here in the summer. So uh, I, to me, I was like, okay, I'll believe it when I see it. I don't know if he's going to come to Michigan State for a visit if he didn't come during the summer and he didn't use all of his OVs. So I was kind of counting them out, but Piegler, he just, he just doesn't give up. So here he is coming up for this weekend. And I know somebody uh, posted on our board, I'm reading it just now that one of the other sites is speculating that maybe it getting out means that uh, it could now possibly get canceled, but that doesn't make any sense to me because in the article that Keith uh, Niebuhr uh, at 24-7 Auburn wrote, he said, that um, Demari Allison told his position coach Cadillac Williams that he was taking the visit. So the coaching staff is the one that's in the position to try to talk a kid out of a visit. And he told the position coach already. uh, So it getting out in the public doesn't do anything. If the position coach would have known either way. And it seems like the position coach didn't talk him out of it since he talked about this visit after that conversation with the coach. So yeah, I don't really see what, what, an article being written changes here when he already told his position coach, I, that's not, I don't, I don't think there's any risk of this being canceled now based on hearing Austin actually talk about the visit and why he's taking it. Yeah. I mean, obviously I'd like to think that I break all the news and I'm the only one that knows a lot of this stuff, but I'm clearly Auburn's coaches have known what's going on. It's a, <laughs> like, that's not, like that we didn't need an article to necessarily confirm that they knew that i mean they get paid a lot of money to know what's happening i mean you talk around people in the recruiting it's amazing how much people know about what other teams are doing uh with players before whether they before they hit a portal or before a visit happened so they definitely knew what was happening he confirmed it with their coaches and was upfront with them which you give the kid a lot of credit for that because it's easy to try and hide it and he didn't try to do that so uh, I don't if there was for some reason uh, that he didn't make it would have nothing to do with because an article (laughs) quoting his and talking to his coaches uh, (laughs) would have any impact on that so but uh as far as I know, as of nine ten uh, Thursday night, that visit is still on tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I, that update was from nine oh eight. If we're if we're trying to figure it out, so yeah, I don't I won't put anything there. And then I guess just talking about him as a player, uh, what he is. Uh, he's kind of a, a speedy back kind of we're not comparing anyone to Kenneth Walker because he's his own thing but he's kind of that speedy guy that uh, can hit the home run he's got a lot of uh, wiggle in his uh, 
running abilities. Uh, he shows good patience and vision, but then he'll also run over the guy too. So it's a lot of those same skill sets or running back type that you would see from Walker. But obviously uh, Kenneth is uh, in a league of his own <laughs> in my mind. Yeah. And in the minds of the Walter Camp voters uh, and the Doak Walker voters as well, as he just won both of those awards. So you're not biased when you talk about Kenneth Walker in those regards, that's for sure. Yeah. But, uh, so now the other, uh, the other huge visitor, uh, we obviously have some other visitors as well, and we'll have an article out tomorrow morning. But you know the guy everyone's thinking about, and that is Keontae Goodwin. And Keontae, Michigan State got him on an unofficial visit in the summer. I know you had an article on that back when that happened. Uh, him and Coach Cap, they were over there at Hopcat uh, talking over the interest in Michigan State and how he needs to come here. Then fast forward a few months, and he once again shows up to East Lansing on his own dime on an unofficial visit during the season for the Michigan game. And now they saved his official visit for this very moment, and the plan worked exactly how they were hoping in terms of timing. Obviously, it remains to be seen whether they land him, but when Michigan state was having him come up on his own dime, instead of him using that official visit, it was for the exact design of being able to host him for an official visit right before signing day and make a huge impact at the end. A lot of times a plan like that could backfire, but these guys hit that right on the head of the nail and they just have executed the timing perfectly. But in terms of actually landing him, that's what really matters. Um, but what is there? Is there anything that I guess we haven't covered over the length of this recruitment that you want to just touch on now, Corey, heading into this weekend when it comes to Kante Goodwin? I mean, I guess we can just touch up on that in case people weren't there. Obviously, uh, what Justin spoke on, like that was a huge gamble that could have blown up in their face, uh, and they could have he could have ended up somewhere else for that fifth and final official visit. Uh, but you give Michigan State credit; they they knew what plan they went with. They executed it and uh, Keontae stayed the course with what they talked about back in, uh, I guess, the end of October, maybe a week or so, maybe a week before his uh, visit to the Michigan game was switched to an unofficial and everybody kept with the plan that was made uh, then. And now Michigan State is in the, the best spot you can be you get the last visit you've had them on campus multiple times uh i know about two unofficial visits i i've heard rumors there might have been a third so i mean he's clearly got some uh interest here obviously for him it doesn't take very long to to look at michigan state's roster with losing aj or curry and uh Horse, Jarrett Horse kind of still being up in the air, what he's doing, which I believe he's going to come back, but that's not set in stone yet. But anyways, even if he comes back, you still need another tackle to replace our Curry. Mm -hmm. And Keontae Goodwin is at six foot eight, 340 pounds, is probably one of two guys, three guys that you could say, all right, this guy can start at offensive tackle as a true freshman. I mean, those guys just don't exist very often. And for me, I've always said he's the best offensive tackle in the 22 recruiting class just because he's just different. Like, yeah. There's a lot of offensive linemen that are big. There's a lot of them that 
might do this or that, but like this guy is just the word for him is he's just different. Yeah. Like you see pictures of him next to uh, Ryan Bear, who is a top Michigan State target. Mm-hmm. Uh, Good player. I've met I've met him in person. He's he's a legit six foot six, three hundred twenty pounds, and there's a picture of him standing next to Keontae, and Keontae made him look small. Like yeah, there's right. a picture of him at Alabama next to uh is it Neil? Is that their real good lineman? Yeah, uh, Evan Neal. And, and he, he made Evan Neal not look small, but not make he, he's bigger than Evan Neal. <laughs> so I mean, like this is a different type of guy. This is like a for older Michigan State fans, this is like Flozell Adams, like Tony Mandrich, like where he just is different. And uh he would be an absolute program changer at the the most premium position left tackle. So, I mean, uh, if Michigan State is able to pull it off, I mean, that this would be the biggest fish in a long time at Michigan State. Yeah, uh, I believe, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but hasn't this been um, a, at least Coach Cap, but maybe the entire Michigan State staff, hasn't this been their biggest target since they showed up in East Lansing two years ago? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'd say just because it's just what I mentioned. I mean, it's he's just different. Like there's there's only a handful of guys that are just different every cycle. There might be five of them maximum where you see, I don't know, what is it? 20, 35 stars somewhere in those range. But there's five guys that are different. Right. Uh, He's one of those five guys that are different along with uh uh, just a couple other kids so I mean <laughs> yeah it's like this is a this this one would be a game changer for Michigan State yeah he's a guy that to me has maybe this is too prisoner of the moment but like I've seen everything that there is to see about Goodwin and you hear everyone's evaluations people that have been uh, evaluating guys since before, like I, I was even born, and all these guys just rave about him to degrees you don't hear of very often. At least not for guys Michigan State's involved in. And to me, I kind of have the opinion that he'll come to Michigan State, start as a true freshman, and in three years he'll be a top fifteen pick in the NFL draft. He kind of has that Makai Becton kind of uh, potential to me. What I think Makai Becton went 11th or 12th overall to the Jets uh, a year or two ago. He from Louisville. He's just one of those guys. He's a franchise left tackle. He comes in. He's automatically just bigger and better than everybody else. And he plays every down that he's healthy and he's out of there. He's a top 15 pick and he's on his second or third NFL contract. And he has that great career. One of those bodyguard left tackle types, but of course, a lot needs to go right. You need to stay grounded. You need to stay working. You need to work on your diet. You need to be injury-free. But assuming all those things work themselves out, this is one of the most special recruits that Michigan State has been on in in my memory. Yeah, definitely. I, I'd put them right up there because even like you could see, I, I don't know what uh, Devonte Dobbs ended up at. I think he's a four when yeah, it was all said fell, and done. But you could you could you could see some warts showing up before then, right. uh, and you had uh, a few of the other guys like you know, like I said, how there's like thirty, forty, uh, five stars, but five different. There's 
I think the last different was probably William Golston. And you look at him, he's still in the NFL. Yeah. Uh, just won a Super Bowl champion. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would put him on that pedestal of almost like Will Golston, where Will was just different, too, mm-hmm. when he came in. But even even then, I mean, like, Will was never an elite pass rusher. He was just big and strong and uh, could do enough things right, where, like, you still look at Keontae, and Keontae's, you, like, he's he's peaks out at athleticism and all these other things that you measure. And then, I mean, he's told me because uh, he's, he's been really good with me. Uh, I know he shuts down a lot of stuff uh, and keeps it to like Wilt Fong and some of the national guys, but he's always been really good talking with me. And he's like, with the high school, he's like, I have to hold back because they give me penalties for like, are hitting guys too hard and I'm getting kicked out of games and stuff like that so I mean what we're seeing he's like somewhat holding back still so he can finally unleash it all uh next fall whether that's in East Lansing Lexington or somewhere else yeah and he's a guy that he's huge physically but he doesn't have a lot of bad weight on him anymore I know he did when he was a freshman in high school but Chris Vaughn over there uh, at Aspirations Gym in Louisville, they've gotten him to a point with his diet these days where there's not a lot of bad weight on him. So despite being this huge six, eight kind of guy, he doesn't, he's not just over here eating a lot of bad food and he's just tipping the scales in that regard. And now he gets to campus and you have to transform his body. No, like Coach Vaughn, he's done that over the years already. So he does have real good size to come in and play immediately. It's not just one of those things where, all right, he's 6'8". We need to turn some of his fat into muscle. And hopefully, maybe by freshman year, he could be physically ready. It's it's not really one of those things. He's just a guy that he he's just a perfect guy to come in and play right away. Yeah, like you mentioned, Chris Vaughn, he's done a, an amazing job with him with the weight and uh just the the technique and stuff he's going to come in further and Keonto is always a guy uh with me where he's coachable he he knows that as good as he is he can get better so he would always like be like look at my tape tell me what you're seeing me do wrong what I could do better and you know it was hard to find some of those things but so you but he would like demand that you say something bad about him that so he could figure out a way to get better so uh that that probably plays well to the Michigan State coaches who are known for pushing guys uh much further than they think they can go yeah this is one of those recruitments that it can change um at the very least the offensive line if not the whole program and I know that might sound melodramatic and prisoner of the moment, but think about, think about what teams that choose a top five, top 10 in the draft prioritize. They prioritize left tackles and pass rushers. I know he's not the glamorous wide receiver that's over here running for 2000 or catching 2000 yards or any of that. But this is one of those things that can make your franchise in the NFL. And in the same regard in college could be one of those kind of program changers. So uh, this is a big weekend for Michigan State. Uh, Damari Austin, Keontae Goodwin, a lot of current commits. 
and some uncommitted guys as well that we will have the breakdown on tomorrow. So if you're not already subscribed, go ahead and check out Spartan Tailgate. Venture over to the Shawlane VIP message board. And is there anything else you would like to add, Corey? No, I think we covered it. Uh, But yeah, just stick with us at Shawlane. There's going to be stuff coming uh, by the minute and the hour as we quickly approach oh, uh, Wednesday. Uh, 50% off for these next few days leading into National yeah. Signing Day. So uh, we'll be tweeting that out. It'll be our pinned tweet on the Spartan Tailgate Twitter account. So that's the easiest way you can find it. But 50% off until National Signing Day, uh, early National Signing Day. So I think that gives you about five days here. Don't wait till the last minute. But you, if you even enjoy recruiting the transfer portal, any, any of this stuff at all, you have to subscribe in my opinion, obviously I'm biased, but I don't see, I don't see how the excitement that Michigan state has right now. Um, Mel Tucker came off of a two and five season and is about to land a top 20 recruiting class. And most of those guys committed back when two and five was all they had to go off of because most of Michigan State's commitments, they landed in the offseason. Just maybe Dylan Tatum and one or two others happened during the season. So that top 20 recruiting class, most of it was built off two and five. So now imagine what 10 and two. And now you you factor in that transfer portal too, which I think that's uh, really one of my favorite things I've seen 24-7 do where they've kind of integrated those rankings and put them together. I think Michigan state's currently number 16 in the country when you factor in 2022 and transfer portal. And that's only going to go up as uh, Michigan state continues to add at both spots. And uh, I'll say too, with the, the signing day stuff coming up, this is our first one with 24 seven where we got uh, Justin and myself and Steven and Sean. So uh, in the past, maybe, you had to do more of the heavy lifting where now we can uh, spread it out a little bit. So I think uh, you're going to see a lot more content on signing day than you've ever seen from Michigan state. Cause I know uh, Justin's been killing it and Steven's been killing it. I got some uh, huge plans for uh, signing day of stuff that I haven't done yet. And then of course we'll have to hit the podcast. Uh mm-hmm. So then we, we might have something special to announce there publicly soon too. So yeah, definitely take advantage of the 50% off. I can promise you, you won't be disappointed with yeah. what's about to happen. Yeah. Speaking of the podcast and signing day, we'll have an episode shortly after we'll say 6 PM because I believe Armani Winfield is signing his national letter of intent uh, at 5 PM Eastern time, 4 PM central. And for right now, that's kind of the latest, um, NLI that I know of that should be getting signed. So uh, I think we'll try to aim for after Winfield is done and then we'll start recording and Stephen Brooks will be joining us uh, as long as the schedule allows. So that is probably going to be the next episode unless something dramatic happens here. But yeah, so keep an eye out for that episode on the night of early national signing day. Keep an eye out for that 50% deal and join us uh, as Tucker and the staff keep killing the portal and uh, high school recruiting. And with that, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll catch you next time.